What's up, Irish fans, and welcome back to another episode of The Slotcher Route. I'm your host, Jack Lanyard. We got another great podcast for you today. Ben Belden is back on the show to talk about Notre Dame's 31-17 victory over North Carolina in Chapel Hill last Friday. We also talked about Notre Dame's upcoming game against Syracuse and look ahead to the ACC Conference Championship game. Before we get to that conversation, we have a quick word about Anchor. I'm joined yet again by Ben Belden. Ben, how are you doing today following the Thanksgiving weekend? I am very happy to have had a little bit of a break there and had a great Thanksgiving. So um, now I'm ready to talk to Notre Dame football, which continues to, to make me happy. So uh, no complaints, Jack. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well myself. Um, and yeah, definitely a highlight, highlight of the week is getting to recap uh, yet another Irish victory. Um, hell of a season they're putting together here, and uh, got plenty of. We'll have plenty of opportunities to make it even more special. Um, so, Notre Dame wins thirty-one seventeen in Chapel Hill against the nineteenth-ranked Tar Heels, who uh, actually moved up in the latest college football playoff rankings following a loss to Notre Dame. Um, what were your uh, general impressions? of this game and like I guess you you can like just walk us through how you felt throughout the course of the game okay so I have to put a disclaimer out here I was actually purchasing a vehicle while the game was being played live um so I know I had I did actually go back and watch the game so I'm not I'm not on this podcast blind um however so I mean the the roller coaster of things didn't really happen for me because like I said I didn't watch it live but I was frequently check, checking the score and, and all of that type of stuff, you know. And so maybe my perspective, I guess, is just a little bit different on this one. I, and so that's, I guess, why I got to make that disclaimer. But really, I mean, I think the biggest thing about this game is, um, and, and it's been talked about, is that while Clark Lee is a really good football coach, um, you know, there's been tons of talk about that over the course of the past week. And we knew that. I mean, it's not like it took this North Carolina game to, to tell us that, you know, we're happy in what we have in Clark Lee. But, I mean, it was just sort of reaffirms that. And, you know, I, I just think my biggest takeaway from this one is that Notre Dame is the absolute real deal. I mean, if beating number one didn't do it for you because of the Trevor Lawrence type of stuff and – um, you know, playing against uh, a little bit of a depleted Clemson team, um, I, then this had to have done it for you because, you know, Notre Dame has a championship-level defense, or so it seems, a, a, a defense that's good enough to keep them in every game. And you just sort of start to see how Ian Book is just balling out right now. I mean, it, he's playing very, very well. He, it, he's not doing a whole ton of just completely eye-popping things, but he's just playing his position really well and doing what he does really well, utilizing his strengths, which also involves using his legs, and playing really high-level football as a Notre Dame quarterback. And I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, that's what we were saying was missing. And so you're just starting to see Notre Dame put it together Uh, on both sides of the football. And that's just, and it was very apparent, at least in my opinion, in watching this Notre Dame team that they're, they're really becoming a very well-rounded team. Um, And it really showed on Saturday. So that's very exciting for me. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that's exactly the place that where we need to start is the defensive side of the ball because coming into this, I mean, I feel like most people understood that North Carolina's defense wasn't really um, anything spectacular. So you knew Notre Dame was going to be able to get their points, but for Clark Lee and the defense to hold hold them to just 17 total points um, and pitch a shutout in the second half of this game was, um, I mean, it was just nothing short of impressive uh, after those first two, two series uh, it, it just seemed like this was going to be a repeat of, of North Carolina's last uh, game prior to Notre Dame where they won 59, 56 against Wake Forest. Like this just, it just felt like it, it was going to be a shootout and Notre Dame was going to have to outscore them to eventually win this game. But uh, it just did not turn out to, to uh, be that way. And um yeah, and the, like looking through those those first two series, watching it at, at home, um, I, I mean, I I was I was definitely getting a little bit nervous because not only did you have some some guys missing tackles, uh, you also just had a couple what looked like coverage breakdowns, um, and North Carolina able to hit on on, on some big plays. And I, I mean, I do have I always have faith in Clark Lee to make the right adjustments. Um, at halftime and, and sort of correct those things. But uh, right before half, we also lost Kyle Hamilton to a targeting penalty. So <clears throat> even with the, the understanding that, all right, you know, they'll clean some things up, you know, you're down who, who is arguably your best player on, on the defensive side of the ball. So to force, I think it was, what was it like five straight punts and then, and then a turnover on down to end the game. Um, I, I, I mean, I was just like speechless watching that because their name in their own right was kind of uh, stalled a bit and was just almost like inviting North Carolina to, to come back in the game in, in the second half. And what the defense did was, I mean, it was just very, very, it was elite. It was just, I mean, straight up elite. And um, I think this game alone, I, I mean, there were already, you know, rumors about Clark Lee being a, a top candidate for a head coaching job um, moving forward. And, and this game alone, I mean, he, he could just just put down all the details of this game on a single sheet of paper and be like, yeah, here's my resume. Like, <laughs> hire me, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I you may you mentioned about how you always have faith to in Clark Lee to make the adjustment and you should, I mean, because he's never not, you know, has Notre Dame ever like played, you know, they've had a little bit certain times where like at the beginning of the game, they looked a little shaky on defense, but have they ever not really, have they ever not ever gotten worse as the game went on? I can't really think of a time to be honest with you. I mean, and I say that a little bit in jest, but in all seriousness, like it just sort of seems like Notre Dame has, has found this rhythm of, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to come out and we're going to be all right. We're going to kind of mitigate the damage a little bit. And we'll, you know, you can't always duplicate exactly what the other team's offense is going to do in practice that week. And so we're going to sort of see what they're doing, see what they've cooked up for us special, because that sort of seems to be what teams do for Notre Dame. And then they always make the adjustment and, and, and come back in the second half. Also, I, you know, we're talking about Clark Lee, you know, I, I sort of think that, uh, a lot of that can also be said about, about Tommy Reese as well. Um, and we can kind of touch on that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but just sort of seems like, you know, 
I, I think the measure of a really good coach is one that can make adjustments the way that Clark Lee has shown that he can make adjustments. I think it's real easy with a, you know, a week of prep time to go out and have a really good game plan for, you know, the first couple possessions or, or whatever. It's, you know, the great coaches, uh, the coaches that really know their stuff are the ones that can do it on the fly, you know, in the middle of a game, make adjustments and then make adjustments to the adjustments. And it just seems like Clark Lee is, you know, the master uh, chess player, so to speak. And um, I don't know, it's, it's exciting. I, I hope we get to hold on to him for, for, you know, a little bit longer. Um, like you said, we'll see about some of these other jobs that are going to come open. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we, we could, switch over to the the offensive side of the ball because I, I do think Tommy Reese deserves a ton of praise and um, I think people were confident with him heading into this season although um, you know you could make the fair criticism that he didn't really have a ton of experience um, that would really like warrant him getting a job like this but I mean he he's shown that that he was absolutely the right hire for this team um just in, even like to start off the game, and I'm not sure if this was part of their, you know, pregame script or not, but they started off the game with a three and out and all three of those plays, they had multiple tight ends on the field. And then the second drive, he comes out in 11 personnel, just, you know, one running back, one tight end. And that kind of, you know, sparks the offense, gets them going and then they drive down and score a touchdown. So, I, I mean, it seems to me like, no, again, I don't know this for certain, but it seems like that was just a call that he made, you know, on the fly, just saying like, all right, that didn't work. Let's scrap it. Let's go different routes. See, see if I can get different personnel on, on the field for North Carolina um, and, you know, try to <clears throat> look for some, some uh, vulnerabilities. Um, and even, I, I think it was, it was either that last touchdown drive that Notre Dame had or their second to last drive the broadcast put up a, a graphic of the, just the, the play calls for Notre Dame. And it was, it was like 32 passes um, and 32 runs. And I was just like, way to go, Tommy. Like, <laughs> like that's <laughs> it. Keep, keep it perfectly balanced. You know, um, don't really give the opposing defense anything that they can kind of key on. Um, and, and yeah, he's just, he's just done an incredible job. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's been really impressive, and I, I think, like I said, he's definitely proven to not only the staff but also the fans that he was uh, certainly the right man for this job. Yeah, and I think what really is remarkable is that he seems to have a really good relationship with Ian Book, and obviously you and I are not around the team, and so it's sort of – I'm sort of get, doing a little bit of guesswork here – but to me, it never really felt like Chip Long and Ian Book really were on the same page a whole awful ton, um, at least to the point where, you know, Tommy Reese has played quarterback in Notre Dame before. And, you know, he's, you know, Tommy Reese, you know, can relate to Ian Book when Ian Book gets yelled at by Brian Kelly. You get what I'm saying? And so it gives them a little bit of um, a little bit of street cred, so to speak, I think. But in all seriousness, like I say, like, it, it just sort of seems to me like Tommy Reese gets it. Like, he gets um, what Ian's good at, and he gets, you know, he's got a way of relating a, a little bit. Uh, if I had to guess, and like I say, I, I you know, I can't ask either of them this, but if I had to guess, it just sort of seems like I give a lot of to 
Tommy Reese and a lot of uh, credit to Tommy Reese in terms of, you know, Ian books. I mean, can we call it a resurgence? Um, You know, the way he's improved throughout the season and, you know, really taking this year and, and putting together some of his best football at this point in his career. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you could call it a little bit of a resurgence because I think 2018 to 2019, it was, um, you know, his, his curve was like relatively flat. Um, and I, I think there were certain areas that you could pinpoint in his game during the 2019 season where you could say he may have regressed a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah. Call it, call it a resurgence, call it just a big step up. Um, he's just, I mean, he's getting Heisman some, I mean, very, very low level buzz, but he's getting Heisman buzz um, from fans, which is something that, I mean, I guess, you know, when you're the quarterback of Notre Dame, of course it's always possible. Um, but it certainly was not something that I was anticipating heading into the season. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, and I think, when you look at some of these other guys that are getting more buzz, like is Ian book playing worse football than any of those dudes? I don't really think he is to be honest with you. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's warranted and I think it's, you know, um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder about the Notre Dame bias and some of those things, but we won't get into that. But yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can't say enough about how this offense has, Improved at such a drastic rate throughout this season. I mean, there were times earlier this year where it was like, oh my goodness, like what, like how is this, how are we going to compete with teams like Clemson? And then we go out and we do what we did against Clemson and, you know, we continue to, I mean, by no means are we, you know, going out and scoring 60 some points a game and all that type of stuff, but you don't have to have that type of an offense when you've got, you know, Clark Lee and his defense on the other side of the ball. So, you know, I, I think and I'll keep saying it and I'll sound like a broken record, but I really just think the pieces have just fit together really nicely in terms of how the offense complements the defense and how the offense has, you know, no longer is it, you know, metaphorically the defense is pulling the wagon and the offense is just dragging along. If that kind of makes sense. Still, certainly it's a defensive led team. I get that, but I I feel great about the way that the offense uh, has, you know, improve their game and, and how they continue to, um, I don't know, to trend upward. Yeah. And I will, let's, I, I think I'm going to shift the tone a little bit here, but, um, and, and tell me if you experienced the same thing, but when I was, when, when watching the game live, um, I was, I mean, I was pretty pumped because obviously it's a big, big win on the road against the top 20 opponent. This was their biggest hurdle left prior to, uh, a conference championship game rematch against Clemson. But when I was rewatching this game, I, I just felt myself being a little bit more, more critical of, of the offense a bit, especially in the second half, because as I alluded to earlier, it just felt like they were almost like just inviting Clem, uh, inviting North Carolina back into this game where they had, I mean, plenty of opportunities just to just put this game away. Um, and, Stuff like that, obviously, you know, you're the the gap uh, between Notre Dame and North Carolina is enough where you can afford stuff like that and lean on your defense, just continue to pitch a shutout and and still get a nice road win like this. But I mean, looking forward, based on what this team's done so far, we kind of have to start raising that standard of play. Um, and you know, looking at the 
um, you know, right around halftime, you know, they had that nice drive to get a field goal right before halftime, aided by a couple of North Carolina penalties. Um, and then they start the second quarter and their first possession, they had that, that long 13 play 97 yard drive, which was the longest drive since um, I think the uh, drive against Virginia tech in uh, 2018, which I think was just the one play drive with Dexter Williams, just running like backed up yeah. on, the, on his own goal line, just taking yeah. it 98 yards to the house. Um, but then uh, on the drive after that, so they, they had already forced two punts. They get the ball again. They hit a big play to Javon McKinley. They go down um, and they kind of, they stall in the red zone again, which is something that we've seen the last couple of games. Um, and it, it's something that, uh, you know, you can't really afford to do, um, you know, when, when you're talking about a rematch with Clemson or whoever you're going to face potentially in the, in the college football playoff, um, you got to be able to, to, to cash in on those points. Uh, so they settle for a field goal attempt and then Jonathan door shanks it Um and so then you you come up empty there, and then the I want to say it was three drives later the the drive where uh, Book had that just like absolutely ridiculous shovel pass with, with a defender draped all over him, uh, seemingly to no one, and then Michael Mayer comes out of nowhere just to to pull it down. Um, uh, they they get that first down there, and then they had the play with Skoranek where he his foot was his plant foot prior to when he was establishing himself in bound in bounds was out of bounds. So that was ruled incomplete. And then they had Avery Davis open on, I think it was either just a straight up fade or, or some type of wheel concept and book had him open, but he overthrew him by just a couple of yards. And it's just like plays like that where, you know, the margins are like so thin and you're like, all right, you have the right plays, you're making the right decisions, but you know, you're just a step off. Um, and it's just like stuff like that where, Again, against an opponent like North Carolina, you can afford to miss on those plays. But if you say face a team like an Alabama, or you know face a team like Clemson, like you're gonna in a couple of weeks, you got to hit those. You can't really leave that leave yards like that on the field because, um, I mean, just with that 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 crazy shovel pass play that he had, it seemed like they had enough of a spark where all right, if they kept the chains moving, they're probably gonna go down and score. Um, and to see them have to have to put the ball away again there was kind of hurt a bit and I mean obviously the the drive after that was the big one where they they took four and a half minutes off the clock and essentially just iced it with a um a a short touchdown run by by Kyron Williams um but yeah just a a couple of those possessions in the second half where it just felt like I don't know it's just like all right like in live in the moment I I was just more happy about what the defense was doing on the other side of the ball but then rewatching that um I just it just kind of left me you know wanting a little bit more maybe that's me being uh you know ungrateful for for uh you know what is a really really good football team um so yeah I was just curious if you kind of had that same experience watching the game you know I can't say exactly that I did and it might just like I say I didn't watch it live and so I knew but I was watching the score and at that point I think I, I don't know I listened to some of it you know, on the radio after once I got out of the, you know, the car dealership, but um, I don't know. I, I guess sort of, I guess I knew what happened when I watched, like when I watched it on TV, I, I sort of knew what happened. I can't really say that I felt a whole lot of that way whenever I was watching it because like you, I think that, that I was feeling like, well, 
the defense is playing so good, this is fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so the other part, and so I can't really argue, I guess, with most of what you said, but I guess the other part, the addition to what I will, what you said is that it seems like Notre Dame has had those opportunities, you know, where they get the ball back. And I can't remember how much time was on the clock when they got the ball back, but they had that four plus minute drive that you just alluded to. It seems like regardless of what's happened, they've always been able to do that um, in recent memory at the very least. And so to me, you know, I, I sort of am looking at it. And like I say, maybe I've got my blue and gold shaded glasses on. I don't know. Um, but I look at it as, well, the defense, I mean, the defense is really darn good. The offense maybe just didn't have 100% of their timing today, and that's all right. They did enough to win, and the defense was going to bail us out, and the offense was going to do what they needed to do to win and, and put it away when they absolutely had to do it. Um, and it sort of showed when they marched on down there, took all that time off the clock, and you know scored a touchdown with under two minutes left to, to really ice it. So, um, I don't know. Like, I, I just sort of – I didn't really feel that way in terms of wanting a whole ton more out of the offense. I mean, sure, they, they left some plays out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, they still scored in the 30s. The defense was superb. And, I mean, that's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah, like you mentioned, um, them always being able to pull out, you know, a drive like that to kind of ice the game. Uh, I saw there's a tweet from uh, Jamie Uyama from from Irish Sports Daily where he kind of recapped what what Notre Dame has done this season. And so they had that four and a half minute drive against North Carolina. They also had a 75 yard six and a half minute drive against Florida State in the fourth quarter. They had a 57-yard drive that took off nearly eight minutes against Louisville. That um, that was one uh, I I remember walking you through the 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 play breakdown that that I really liked from Tommy Reese there. Um, and that one, I mean, in a game that was just an absolute slugfest. That was, um, I, I mean, just had to be so demoralizing for Louisville, you know. Uh, and then they also had a. 51-yard drive that took off five and a half minutes against Georgia Tech and a, um, a, a drive that took off four, a little over four minutes against Boston College. Um, so that's kind of just, I mean, I guess it, it goes hand in hand with the identity of being able to establish the run because obviously if you're able to run the ball effectively and pick up first downs doing so, you know, you're going to naturally that clock's going to continue running and you're going to be able to, to eat up a bunch of clock. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's just, um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a total weapon that they have. Um, and granted you, you do have to be in a position where you have the lead to be able to, to, to use sure. that to your advantage. Uh, but, um, I, I mean, once you do, that's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a weapon, especially in, in the college game. You know, I, I think we talked about it before where, you know, you don't really find a whole lot of teams running, um, you know, that, that smash mouth style, I guess, outside of the big 10 really. Um, but that, for, to be able to, to do that and to do so effectively and consistently where, like you said, you know, we're just expecting them to pull it out of their back pocket in every game and just ice these games um, is, is super impressive. Yeah. I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. The only thought that I guess I kind of have is that, 
you know, it, it didn't used to be that way. <laughs> like how many times have we seen Notre Dame, you know, have the opportunity to put away a football game? Uh, and I'm talking maybe a few years ago. I mean, but the not so, so, so distant memory. Uh, and they just weren't able to do that. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, when you speak to the character of a program and, you know, I know Brian Kelly's buzzword is attention to detail, but um, the, I don't know. It just sort of feels like the program has a little bit of a different swagger and confidence uh, that they've been building up to that now, even when they don't have their A plus stuff, they can still at the end of the game when it's close, do something like that to put the game away. And like I say, I think genuinely, I think that speaks to the evolution um, of the program over the past couple of years. So again, you know, all positives, all good stuff to see. And, you know, I think it's going to bode well for them. Um, you know, they're, they're continuing to, I don't think they've hit as a program hit the summit yet. I don't, I hope that, you know, beating Clemson and then going on the road and beating a, a good North Carolina team, uh, the way they did, isn't the, the summit of what they're going to accomplish. But, um, you know, I think they're well on their way as a program to proving that not only are they going to be a, you know, very, very tough out in and around the college football playoff every year to being a team where it's like, you're going to, you expect Notre Dame to compete for, you know, I mean, this year a conference championship is where that still continues to sound and you expect them to be around the college football playoff. And it's almost more like in a year when it maybe doesn't happen, that's more of an anomaly than the norm. Uh, if that kind of makes sense. So it, it's like I say, the program, I, I think this is, you know, a bigger, I think what we see in the way that Notre Dame's been able to close out games is, I don't know, indicative of, of something in the bigger picture, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's certainly going to be something to, to keep an eye on to see if they're able to sort of carry over this, you know, effectiveness in their style of play when they, once they go up against some, some tougher opponents. Um, I guess before we we wrap this, um, a couple of things we could we could touch on. I mean, we we had talked about prior to the game. One of the big talking points was the offensive line that because they had to to shuffle a couple of player players around. They lost center Jarrett Patterson for the year um, due to a foot injury, and then Tommy Kramer had appendicitis, um, had to have an emergency emergency appendectomy, and they are. I, I think they're they're hopeful he could play this weekend, but. Um, I, I mean, in my opinion, I would, I would prefer to just let him rest up and, you know, start you know, preparing for, for the ACC championship game. Um, but it sounds like he, he might at least, you know, go for, you know, maybe like the first half or just a few series, see how he feels. Um, and it look, it sounds like they're going to move. They, well, they may move Josh Lug to center because uh, Zeke Carell, who filled in at center in this game, uh, sprained his ankle. And so he's kind of, it sounds like he's a little bit day to day. I guess we'll, I don't know when they release the, the latest depth charts, but we'll, I guess, something to keep an eye on. Did you, uh, with the new guys that had to fill in on the offensive line, did you, um, did any of their plays stick out? Um, other than, I mean, I know Zeke Carell had those two snaps that he just, um, in the shotgun, like went off his butt and then immediately into the dirt. <laughs> uh, but book was able to turn one of those into a touchdown and another one I think was a completion. Uh, so yeah. just, uh, nice when you have a, a fifth year, uh, 
quarterback back there who's a third year starter and just can can erase those mistakes. Uh, but yeah, anything you notice from from those guys filling in on the offensive line? You know, I I, I did make a deliberate point that when I watched it to to kind of especially Z Carell. Um, watch you know what they were doing out there i guess and you know i i genuinely don't know that there was besides the snapping issues that you mentioned one of them turned into a touchdown a nice little pass to kyron williams right there but um aside from that no you know i didn't i don't i don't really think that there's a drop off um that's noticeable now maybe it's because you know north carolina is not a very good defense to to speak of um and I, I don't know, but like I say, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think it was a major issue. And you know, I, I do sort of get a little nervous the more we talk about. Oh my gosh! Now, so Lug played right guard last week. Now he's going to play center, and then Tommy Kramer's like rushing back from an injury. Well, that part does make me a little bit nervous because it's like, man, oh man, I, I'd almost rather Zeke Carell go out there and try to play on a sprained ankle than like you mentioned, you know, messing around with moving so many guys around and rushing Tommy Kramer back and that type of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we said it before that we weren't too worried about the offensive line because they're just, they're deep at that. I'm sorry. They're deep at that position. And um, I don't know, deep at, and, and just, they recruit really well there, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I had a little bit of a brain fart there. For a second, <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, uh, no complaints for me on the offensive line. And like I say, it was something genuinely that I kept an eye on. So there we go. Yeah. And it, I mean, obviously a little bit, um, a little bit worrisome when you're heading into a game and you got to, you lose two starters on the offensive line, you know, an area where you say that's one of the strengths of the team. And you're like, oh, how are they going to look? And then you got to kind of have to settle yourself down and remember, oh, yeah, Notre Dame recruits offensive line, you know as good as any other school in college football. So I think they'll be just all right shuffling these guys around. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, they, I know they, they obviously have a ton of uh, faith in, in lug and just feel confident plugging him in really anywhere on the line. So that's always a, a huge luxury to have. Um, and yeah, I, I, other than, other than those two snaps, I also thought Carell played pretty well, um, which is always good to see because I mean, I, I'm sure uh, you know, he probably had a decent amount of nerves first start on the road against a top 20 opponent and in, in what is essentially a game that's going to clinch a berth for Notre Dame in, in the conference championship. But he, he played well and he saw you saw him with some smiles on the sideline late in the game. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, plenty of the guys on, on the line and Ian Book and, and and the rest of the offense were, you know, patting him on the back and keeping him encouraged. So that's always good to see. Um, on the defensive side of, ball, of the ball, there were also – a couple of shuffles we saw as well. Uh, Tariq Bracey started the game, but um, in those first two possessions, he uh, he kind of just got straight up mossed in, in the end zone on one of them, uh, uh, which he, he was in decent enough position. He, he just turned, uh, he was just like a, a half second late on the, on the turn and contest. And yeah, didn't, it wasn't obviously not a great look, um, kind of the equivalent of, of a poster in football. Um, yeah. and so, uh, and then on the second drive, it was a, it was a big completion to, I think it was Brown. Um, and I, I saw people go, go back and forth, uh, as far as whether or not they thought he should have had safety help there. Um, 
and the, and the coverage, it was a little bit odd because Notre Dame showed two high safeties, but both of the safeties came up uh, to take um, the slot receivers who were running, I think it was just like curls, um, like 10 yards down the field, which is a little bit odd because, you know, there were linebackers in pass coverage close enough to those guys. And it seems like obviously the bigger threat is, you know, their two best receivers, um, <laughs> two of the best players on their offense, just streaking down the field. Um and so, I don't know, like, like maybe it was a miscommunication. Maybe Bracey should have, you know, g- given a little bit more cushion there. But one way or another, he um, eventually loses some snaps uh, in favor of Clarence Lewis, who, who came in and, and played pretty well and has played pretty well this season. Um, and I, I imagine they'll probably go with Lewis to start this next game, but I'm, I'm sure both of these guys are going to get plenty of snaps and even, you know, the guys below them on the depth chart as well. Uh but yeah, I mean, the past couple of weeks, just, um, I, I mean, there is a little bit to be desired uh, in the the secondary, um, with the exception of, of Kyle Hamilton, but uh, it just, and, and that, like, in that aspect, I kind of was hoping that Notre Dame would get a chance to play Wake Forest because it would give them another game in which they're, you know, defending a, a pretty potent passing attack. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure something that they've been focusing on pretty heavily throughout the course of the season. Um, but definitely an area where I think they, they could, could improve some more. Yeah. And, the just real quick add on to what you're saying, like Tariq Bracey, um, had a similar play where he got burned against Clemson. Um, and it looked like he should have had safety help. I mean, I at least tweeted that it looked like the way he played it, you know, he was supposed to have safety help, but safety didn't help and so you got to wonder a little bit what's going on there in terms of you know is Tariq Bracey messing up and he's playing it the wrong way and he's just not understanding what the coverage is and then he gets blown I, I don't really know the answer I certainly and you might not know the answer without being able to you know go ask you know someone who coaches defense or Notre Dame I don't know but um, yeah, a little bit concerning for sure. I, unlike you, am ecstatic that they don't have to play against Wake Forest. <laughs> um, just absolutely ecstatic at this point because, um, you know, if they took took care of business against uh, Syracuse this weekend, I mean, they'd have already clinched their spot in the ACC um, championship game anyway. But um, I don't know. I just uh, – I'll go with not having to play against, you know, a team – in a similar vein as North Carolina, where I mean, they might be able to take advantage of some of those vulnerabilities. Yeah. And another, another switch we saw on defense, um, Shane Simon, Simon started the game at the buck linebacker position. Uh, but, uh, you know, early on Clark Lee made the switch to uh, go more with Maris Leofau for the, for the majority of the snaps. And, I mean, he, he had an amazing game and I mean, you really don't even have to uh, know football that much to be like, Oh wow. There's 35 again, make another play. Oh wow. 35's in there, you know, making Sam Howell uncomfortable. He was just, he, he was seemingly all over the place. And it, it, it felt like every time Sam Howell dropped back to, to pass, variously if I was blitzing because he was there, you know, uh, hitting a uh, running back and pass protection or, um, you know, just coming off the edge and, you know, with his whole look, um, there's that one stat called havoc rate, I think. Uh, and he just looks like the embodiment of havoc rate. He's got the long flow. He's got the, <laughs> the half tattoo sleeve. Um, and yeah, he was, I mean, he, he was just all over the place. Um, and so 
it's it, it would seem like he's going to be the starting buck moving forward based on that one performance. But um, I, I mean, I'm, obviously, there's still going to be a, a rotation with, with him and Shane Simon. But Shane Simon just really hasn't been able to find that that consistency. Um, he has had a couple of nice games this season, but it, it's just a matter of, you know, coming out and, and making plays week in and week out. And um, yeah, it just seemed like I mean, Maybe also stylistically what, what North Carolina did uh, made it more of a fit for a player like Maris Leofau because um, as we talked about before, like with the RPOs, there, there is that, there, that possibility to create some negative plays. Um, and in order to do so, you kind of need some just aggressive linebackers who can see a gap, shoot it, and, and make a play on, on the ball carrier. And that was – that's I mean, that's pretty much Maris Leofau to a T, whereas Shane Simon, I, I think – is a little bit more of a, not as much of an, uh, you know, see an opening and go and more of a, like an analytical mind. Um, at least that, that's how he appears. He appears to, to, to think a little bit more and, and isn't so, so instinctual. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it, it just, it fit with what Maris Leofa does best and, and he shined. Uh, and I know that's something we, we talked about prior. Did you, uh, do you feel the same way watching him play? Yeah, I mean, I think sort of to, to build on what you said, I think that Shane Simon's like the more fundamental, like he's not going to get beat, uh, I guess, a whole awful lot, give up big, huge plays. Uh, Maris Leofal's the one, you know, and it, he that lives on the edge a little bit more, if that kind of makes sense. Uh, at least that's how I feel about it, that, um, you know, he might get out of – he might, you know, overcommit, get out of position once in a while, but he's also going to get some tackles for loss too, so – uh, in this case against North Carolina, it seemed like he was making the right play at the right time more often than he wasn't. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good a pretty good assessment. And I also liked, you know, Bo Bauer didn't get a whole ton of run uh, in this one, but when he got out there and used he used his opportunities and made some plays as well. Um, I can think of you know a time where he kind of, if I remember correctly, kind of dropped into pass coverage and had a nice pass breakup that that was on a can't remember the situation exactly but it was a a big play might have been a third down um yeah so the linebacker play like I say I think you know they're Maris Leopold's kind of leading the way at least for now and you know I think to sum it up you know that was a position that uh, a lot of people were real um you know we kind of knew about Drew White and then um that other linebacker position though was one that people were anxious about and I mean, rightfully so, but I, I think that's also a lot of the nerves of people have been calling because of the play of those guys, uh, Leah Fow in particular. Yeah. Um, I guess lastly, one other thing I did want to, to shout out before we, before we move on to Syracuse um, is the, the tight ends not named Meyer and Tremble. Um, I, I saw some, I mean, pretty, solid plays for both of them uh Brock Wright on that on that last touchdown drive for Notre Dame had a couple really key blocks where he is taking on a a linebacker and then I think also a defensive end in one and just you know holding his ground turning them and creating a lane for Kyron Williams um to break open that he had that one big run um, to start the drive and then also uh he had a really nice block on the the wide receiver screen that they threw to, I think it was McKinley. Um, and so I was like, all right, you know, cause like, obviously, you know, each of these games, the guys that the, 
the broadcast always wants to highlight is Michael Mayer for just being an outstanding stellar freshman, you know, going out there, making all these catches um, and, and getting yards after contact, stuff like that. And then Tommy Tremble just like an absolute madman <laughs> um, running all over the field and like trying to take people's heads off. But Brock Wright, I mean, to, to, especially in an offense where Tommy Reese wants to run a, like a ton of tight end sets, um, and there was a, a few, you know, where, where they have three and even four on the field. Um, and to have like, like a position group like tight end be that deep, whereas, you know, games on the line, it's third and five. Um, you're trying to, to ice the game on that last drive and you go play action and you throw it to George Takis and you're just like, what? Like, <laughs> like we're going to Takis here? And you forget, like, this kid, this guy, you know, was, like, one of the top tight end recruits of the country in his class. You know, was, I think he was, like, a high four-star. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we also have really, really great guys who don't get to see the field all that much. Um, so I, I, I thought, um, you know, those guys got their chance to shine a little bit. Um, and, and that was obviously cool to see. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I was, as when you started, when you first said the word tight end, the immediate, my first immediate thought was it's nice to have, you know, the ability to put four of them on the field at once if you want to um, and still have some, you know, be able to block, still have the threat to pass. And, you know, you saw that on, you know, Kyron Williams' last touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. All right. So let's, Look ahead to Syracuse, which will now be Notre Dame's final game of the regular season after the ACC um, shuffled around some games this week and effectively canceled Notre Dame's um, what was going to be Notre Dame's season's finale against Wake. So Syracuse will now be their last regular regular season game. Then they'll have the week following off. And then the week after that is the conference championship game where in all likelihood, they're going to play Clemson, um, barring, I, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, Clemson would miss the the conference championship game if they managed to lose to Virginia Tech this weekend, which earlier this year looked like maybe, hey, maybe, you know, Virginia Tech kind of a, a sneaky good team, um, but they, they've kind of fallen apart a little bit. Um, I, I mean, obviously anything can happen. It's college football, but Clemson is, is super good. So fully anticipate there being a, a rematch of Notre Dame and Clemson in the conference championship game. Um, so Notre Dame finishing the, the year against Syracuse, they are huge, huge favorites. Um, spread right now I'm seeing is 34. Uh, and ESPN's FPI matchup predictor has given Notre Dame a 98% chance to win this game. Um, I guess uh I mean, we're fully expecting Notre Dame to to win this game. Um, but more specifically, is there anything that you're going to be looking for when Notre Dame takes the field this Saturday? To be honest, Jack, I guess what I'm going to be looking for is who in the heck does Syracuse even have on their football team? I mean, I, I got to be I got to be honest. I know nothing about Syracuse football other than they're bad. Um, <laughs> I, I I guess. You know, if I'm looking for something, it's just going to be, you know, what Notre Dame never really seems to just when they go out and they play like a really bad football team like this, they don't really ever seem to just go and just straight up put the pedal to the floor and dominate. So like and I'm not so I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I expect Notre Dame to just absolutely steamroll because that they it seems as if in games like this, 
you know, they choose things to work on and sometimes it isn't always pretty. And so sometimes that doesn't result in the steamrolling effect that, you know, I think people expect from Notre Dame. Although I would say, you know, earlier in the year against USF and things, they kind of steamrolled, but you know, I, I think they'll, you know, they'll, they'll find something that they want to work on and we'll, we'll see that. But so I guess we'll, I'll sort of be looking for, for clues as to what, um, you know, what they're, what they're going to do. You know, you saw them earlier in the year against lesser opponents, like really deliberately work on the passing game and, and that type of stuff. You know, I, you know, I don't know what they work on at this point, to be honest, but I think when you watch against Syracuse, you know, something will jump off the screen and be like, well, Obviously, that's their emphasis of something that they really want to get better at. And, uh, you know, they're really focusing on that for for this game. I just don't know what that be, that will be yet. Yeah. Um, and I think really, I mean, for me, it's it's hoping that we can just build a solid lead in the first half so that we can get, you know, some some of these backup players that don't really get as, as many in-game reps a chance to, to play, especially obviously if you, you know, any guys who, who may be seniors in their last season and not planning on um, uh, using the additional year of eligibility that was granted by the NCAA, um, get those guys a, a chance to, to run a few series in, late in the third into the fourth quarter um, after building up a comfortable lead. Um, I'm, Fully anticipating Kyron Williams to have a super light workload. I think it's going to be similar to what we saw uh, when Notre Dame played Boston College because when they played BC the week prior, he had 23 carries against Clemson and then just nine carries against Boston College. And then he had 23 carries again this past weekend against North Carolina. So I, I'd be surprised if he gets more than than 10 carries against Syracuse here. Um, I'd expect to see a lot of of Sebo and and Chris Tyree. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible we see, see them try to, um, uh, you know, try out some, some different guys in the center and, and right guard spot on the offensive line. Um, you know, a guy like, a, a Dylan Gibbons, who was talked about as maybe being one of the filling guys against UNC, uh, but didn't ultimately end up doing so, um, just to, you know, get some other linemen reps, um, in the very unfortunate case that, that, you know, anyone else gets, uh, sustains an injury at any point. Um, and guys like, uh, some of the younger receivers that we had talked about who we were hoping we're going to be able to, to see the field, um, earlier this season, but we haven't really seen a ton of them yet. Guys like Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts. Um, really, I mean, that's, that's what, the, the, that's kind of the most that you can get out of these games is to get these younger players reps and, get some, some film out there for them so that you can coach them up and, and uh, you know, just help them Im- improve in different areas of their game. So that's what I'm hoping Notre Dame does. Um, Syracuse, they just, they've lost a ton of, of players to either injury or, or opt-outs. Um, I think, I don't know if he was con- widely considered their best player, but their starting safety, Andre Cisco, uh, who I want to say there was some preseason all ACC list where uh, people were picking him over, over Kyle Hamilton for the first team, all ACC. Uh, And I I think they, they caught some flack for that, but I mean, he's widely regarded as a, a uh, early round NFL draft pick, Um, but he opted out earlier in the season. They lost their starting quarterback to, to a leg injury. He's done for the year. Um, They've played a couple 
uh, I think two different guys the last couple of weeks. Um, and they're <laughs> the guy who I, who looks like he's going to be their starter for this game. Uh, Cole pepper is his last name. And he had that, that uh, kind of just uh, forgetful moment where on fourth down, he spiked the ball against NC state. And that's how they ended up losing that game. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, really, I, I think we're, we're kind of on the same page here. Like I, I don't really want like, I don't anticipate seeing Notre Dame scoring like 70 points like Clemson did against Georgia tech, but um, hoping they come out score you know, maybe somewhere in the thirties in the first half, and then we can get these backups in to get, to get some reps in the second half and uh, keep everyone healthy and get ready for, you know, preparing for Clemson in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And let's just like, I don't know. Let's just keep everybody healthy. I think that's, that's just the biggest thing. You know, the only thing right now I feel like that can really derail this would be like a catastrophic injury to a, a very important player. So, um, yeah, that's that's really all I got. All right. Uh, do you care to make a final score prediction on this game? I mean, I guess I can humor you, but I, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know. I will say that um, last week I picked the margin correctly. Uh, I said Notre Dame 45, Carolina 31, if I am not mistaken. Now I was four touchdowns off. Um, in terms of <laughs> the amount of points scored. Uh, but I picked the margin correctly, you know, thought it would be a, you know, quote unquote, sort of comfortable win. And, you know, thought that they would, so like, you know, the game sort of went, um, you know, like I thought, um, not quite as much of a shootout. So this time, however, um, wasn't Notre Dame favored by in this one, like 31, 34, 34, 34, 34, 34. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're going to go out and uh, blow the doors completely off of Syracuse. I'll say uh, 42 to seven Notre Dame. Okay. I th- I'm, I'm thinking something similar. I, I don't think Notre, I think Notre Dame's going to be just shy of 50 in this one. I, I, I was thinking it's going to end up something like 49, six. Um, yeah. I think because Syracuse, I mean, they have a lot of young guys, starting now on their defense just out of necessity um but they they look like they got some decent team speed on that side of the ball uh, i think their offense is really the the bigger problem for them um so i think scoring is going to be going to be very tough for them this saturday uh but yeah i'll give them a couple field goals or maybe a touchdown and a miss extra point uh but yeah i think it, and this goes against everything that i you know, all my principles when it comes to picking Notre Dame games against the spread when they're huge favorites, because I'm almost always taking the, the underdog and the points in those scenarios. But um, Syracuse is bad enough where I can say, you know what, whatever. I'll, I'll take Notre Dame, lay the 34. Uh, yeah, so I was thinking 49 to 6. I like it. Well, all right. Ben, as always, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast again. It's greatly appreciated. Always a good time, Jack. Thanks. Thanks again to Ben Belden for taking the time to join the show and talk some Irish football. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening to it. Until next time, go Irish.